as we come to Exodus chapters 1 and 2, our topical study is going to be picked up in verse 23 of chapter 2. Now, as we come to that passage, we come to the storyline of Moses. Abraham is the patriarch, and Abraham had the son of promise, Isaac, and then Isaac, the son of promise, had the twins, Jacob and Esau, and Jacob became the son of promise. God changed his name to Israel, and he had the 12 sons, who became known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And when Jacob passed away and was buried in the cave at Machpelah, which is there in Genesis 50, his burial service and all that, then Joseph and his brothers lived in Egypt, and eventually their generation died, chapter 1 of Exodus tells us. And, of course, about 400 years went by. So we've gone from about 2000 B.C. to about 1600 B.C. It's a long time ago. But these are historical biblical events that paved the way for Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the world, the promised Christ, to come to the nations through this nation of Israel. Because God said from one man, Abraham, and the miracle child Isaac, his name means laughter, that a nation would come and kings, and the king is not just the kings of Judah, but the king of Judah, the line of Judah, as we read in Genesis 49, Jesus Christ, who we're told in Revelation 5, is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and the scepter would not depart from Judah. So as we study the history of the nation of Israel, we realize, unlike any other nation, God has set them apart as not just a people of covenant, but an ethnic people group of covenant. It's very unique. And now, after Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, we're told in Romans that the good news of the gospel is to the Jew first, because they had the Old Testament scriptures, but to all nations, the Gentiles, for we're saved by faith and that through grace. So from one nation, the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, the sinless Savior of the world, the Son of God, came, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, all nations could know God in a personal relationship through faith in him, which is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know the Great Commission is to go to all nations, Jesus said, and to teach his word and baptize believers. And then we see in Revelation that there are people representing every tongue, tribe, and nation of human history in the presence of the Lord, worshiping Jesus Christ. So here in this timeline where things are a shadow of things to come, we're told in the Old Testament, Christ is the fullness. And with this nation of Israel, they become a large people group, over a couple million there in the land of Egypt, and they're in bondage and they're slaves. And Moses was born in that timeline when they were killing the infant males. But after 40 years, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter in a place of prominence. He felt that connection to his own people, and he actually killed an Egyptian in defense of a Hebrew. But it became known, and he fled for his life to the land of Midian, there in the Sinai Peninsula. And there he lived for uh, quite some time with Jethro's father-in-law and his wife Zipporah for 40 years. So he had 40 years in Egypt and then 40 years in the wilderness. And God is going to reach him in that wilderness, which is what chapter 3 will be all about next time we film, whenever it is that we do film. But tonight in this back part of chapter 2 is the backdrop where the Egyptian people are afflicting God's people. And we saw in chapter 1 that the more the Egyptians afflicted them in their bondage and their slavery, the more they multiplied and grew. We talked about how we can thrive under affliction, and spiritually we can and should grow under affliction. And as a nation, that's what these people did. So as we come to that backdrop, it's been 80 years since that timeline of chapter 1. And we read this about the events 
paving the way for when Moses is going to go back to Egypt to be the deliverer of God's people, the Jewish people. Verse 23, he's there in, the, uh, in the, that distant land, in a foreign land. In verse 23, read this. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them, or recognized them. Because, of course, they're in a, he's made a promise to them that they'll be in a covenant with him. He is their father, our Abba Father, through faith in Jesus Christ, and their father in the Old Testament in that relationship. Now, we know, as he revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he revealed himself as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But now, as we go forward in the next chapter, when he reveals himself as I am that I am, as Yahweh, the all-sufficient one, he gives a progressive revelation of who he is. It's a progressive revelation of who he is. Really, it's kind of like growing in the Lord like that. You receive Christ as your Lord and Savior through faith, repenting of your sins and asking Christ into your life. You truly are saved. You pass from death to life. And you're saved. You're like the thief on the cross or whatever. You're saved. You have a transformation because if anyone be in Christ or a new creation, old things have passed away and all things are new. We're born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, well, what? Do I go back to my mother's womb? He goes, no. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. So maybe you've heard that term before, but we must have the second birth. And the second birth takes place when we're willing to repent of our sins and receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the good news. You hear the message of the gospel, and you respond to it, and we pass from death to life. And so these people are in a covenant, and they're, in a way, going to pass from their bondage as slaves of Egypt to a relationship as a nation on their own with God. And again, it's been progressive revelation where God is like El Shaddai, God Almighty, and then he's I am that I am, the all-sufficient one, where he makes the covenant with the Jews there at Mount Sinai. And then 1,500 years later, when Christ comes, he introduces the new and everlasting covenant. There are no other covenants. Jesus is the final covenant. We're told it's the new covenant, and it's the everlasting covenant. So Jesus' coming makes obsolete, like when you trade in your car. Like, this old car is obsolete. Most of us don't drive Ford Model T's, right? Okay, like it's obsolete. You know, some cars last longer than other cars, but they become obsolete, and there's usually a newer model. So as we study this and think about the context of the nation of Egypt and the progressive revelation that God's giving them, revealing himself to humanity in increments of understanding that they can, that we in human history can grow in our knowledge of him. And even so, when we give our life to Christ and we become born again, we know Christ this way. Wow, I believe the gospel and I go forward in a Harvest Crusade altar call or prayed with someone to receive Christ. But then it's this whole process. It's a journey. But we do pass from death to life. And this is a type of that. Because as they're calling out in their bondage and groaning for deliverance, it's a type of of what Jesus does for us. Because they're in bondage under Pharaoh in Egypt. And we're told in the New Testament that before we come to Christ, we're in bondage in the world, and we're slaves to sin, and we're in bondage to Satan. We're in bondage to Satan. We're being, we're being taken captive to do his will. So we're born in sin as slaves, much like the Hebrew children, born as slaves in the world, a slave to sin. We're born under the authority of Satan. You're going to 
serve somebody. Bob Dylan's famous song in the 80s, you got to serve somebody. It might be the devil and it might be the Lord, but you have to serve somebody. So we're born in sin, serving a slave to sin, serving the devil, and we're in the world system, which is a type of Egypt. But when we give our life to Christ, we pass from death to life. All things become new. We become a new creation, as 2 Corinthians says. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed from sin. And we're not a slave to Satan, but we bow the knee to Jesus because we confess Jesus Christ as Lord. For if we confess the Lord Jesus and believe God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so we, we confess the good confession with our mouth, the confession, Romans 10. So instead of serving Satan for sin, we serve Christ for righteousness. And instead of being a slave to the world's system and the temptations of the world system, we become servants of the kingdom and ours is the heavenly calling. The world makes us very ambiguous, but it's very deliberate with God. God's light in him is no darkness at all. So this event, this context of the people crying out for deliverance, it's a type of what happens in the life of a believer when we give our life to Christ. But this is a nation, and it's progressive revelation. It says here in verse 23, in the process of time, the king of Egypt died. This is one event that puts in motion deliverance. This is one event that puts... A new timeline. It's a benchmark. So we might say Pearl Harbor was a benchmark for a lot of people in 1941. And 9-11 was a benchmark for a lot of people almost 20 years ago. Well, obviously now the events that are going on around us with the coronavirus contagion pandemic, if generations and generations come forward from this, people will study this in their history books for many, many future generations because we're the internet age where we're totally connected. We're going to all see what's going on around the world. We're not isolated. And we're watching this pandemic. And it's, it's incredible. There are things that happen in time, events, sometimes even one day, or unfolding events like what we're in right now, that forever shape how things are going to play out for an entire generation and even other generations. Everyone, every American citizen is affected by the Patriot Act and the events that followed 9-11. We all take our shoes off when we get on planes. That goes back to a terrorist attempt of a guy trying to light a bomb on his shoe. One man, that action related to 9-11, and how people respond to that, we take our shoes off at the airports. So whether you're born in 2010, 2015, or 1995, we take our shoes off. So here we have, it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. This is the benchmark event. So now we're going to have a benchmark going forward for the rest of our timelines in 2020, the contagion, the pandemic of the coronavirus. Make no mistake about it. So it's not the king of Egypt dying, but the contagion. So now it says here with that backdrop, an event. It's an event that's shaping things. It's not the same. And nothing's going to be the same. Make no mistake about that. Then, the children of Israel, these are the people of covenant. So then, in this backdrop, they cried out. So when this Pharaoh died, they are crying out. Maybe this is when change comes. Maybe this is when change comes for us, for the church. The last church in Revelation 7, and Pastor Chuck firmly believed this when he taught Revelation, that those are sequential churches of church history, is a lukewarm church. And Jesus says to the church of Laodicea, I would that you're hot or cold, but not lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Which means God puts a higher premium on hating him as opposed to giving him lip service and not truly serving him. I would you to be hot or cold, but not lukewarm. 
I'll vomit you out of my mouth. That's literally the, the verbiage in the Greek. There has been a great departure from the faith in my timeline. Basically, 1960, even before that. There's a great mocking of people who believe the Bible. Pseudoscience scoffing people like you and me who believe the Bible. And maybe you're a pseudoscience person and you believe all these lies that your life is meaningless without purpose, that it's just random and dumb luck like the Marxists believe and the Darwinists and the communists and these people. God's word doesn't change. He's the same yesterday and forever. He is who he is. I am that I am is God of the burning bush. Oh, your fathers knew me as El Shaddai, but you'll know me as I am that I am. And God is. He's the great I am. He's Yahweh. And he's outside of time, space, and matter. And he's created it. And he created all of us with purpose, not random dumb luck. We didn't evolve. We're created. And when Jesus was asked about marriage and, he's, and they asked about divorce, he said, have you not read how he made them male and female? And for this cause, a man should leave his father and mother. So asked about marriage and purpose, Jesus defined creation as purpose. He's a creationist. He taught creation. God made them. He defined gender, male and female, and he defined what marriage is, a man and a woman. God doesn't change. He's the same. God is light in him. There's no darkness at all. With the father of lights, there's no shadow of turning. He is who he is. I am that I am. God of the burning bush. And people might try and rebuild their theologies with things they don't like in the Bible. I once knew someone when they first got saved. It was a woman, godly woman, that's still serving the Lord. But she ripped a page of her Bible, a page of her Bible out of her Bible because she was so mad with what it said. But you know, the Bible says that God be true and every man a liar. And there's a lot of things in the Bible that may go like, well, man, that's convicting me. You know, long ago in the early 80s, I was in a Christian bookstore trying to find a book that said it's okay to have sexual morality and still be saved. Like, <laughs> and the funny thing is that book wasn't in the bookstore. I couldn't find it. But instead, God sent a pastor, Pastor Mike Stangle, to walk up to me at that very moment when I'm trying to find a book to justify my sin, contrary to the Bible. And he asked me to do a, an outreach event because I was a professing Christian. Mike Stangle. And I said, no. I actually said, get Mike Lambrisi to do it. That's what I said. I'll never forget it. I couldn't find the book. I'm fighting God. I want to rip some pages out of my Bible. And Mike Stengel comes up to me and says, you know what? Would you do this? I was like, no, get Mike, Mike Lambrisi to do it. I'm doing the pipe masters. Look, let God be true and man a liar. It's always better to let God's word judge you than you to judge it. These are the children of God. And there's purpose. He's Yahweh. He's I am. And they know him as God Almighty, and they're crying out. And when he answers their cry, they're going to know him as I am that I am. They're going to go deeper. They're going to go fuller with God. They're going to know him in different ways. Like Job said, I had heard about you early on in my life when I was posturing, but when I lost everything, that's when I knew you. And you have to decide in the coming weeks and months, maybe even years as we go forth from all this, do you know about the Lord, or do you know the Lord? Are you going to press in with the Lord? I hope so. Because it said the children of covenant, the ambiguity is lost. You know, trials and tribulations, dramatic events, they remove ambiguity. They, they draw the distinction of light and darkness. Ambiguity and like, well, we this and that. Look, man, that God we treat a man a liar. This type of event, it just, it's a clear distinction. Jesus said you're their former against them. There's no playing church. March 19th, 2020 on this planet. It's the real deal, man. The children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Know this, whatever you're groaning, whatever you're feeling, keep crying out to the Lord. These events make us cry out to the Lord. Now, I got a little bit of a head start on you. 
Because, you know, you can autopilot as a pastor, too. Don't you like to get in your car? And, you know, back in the day when you had autopilot, like in the, like, 2010, 2012, you'd be, like, on the Pendleton stretch, you could autopilot, like, you know, auto, auto drive, like, 75, I always try to be one under, so, you know, 74, whatever. See, now these new cars, you can't autopilot because the cars are smarter than you and they force you to brake. They outsmart you, right? I like autopilot. You like autopilot. We like autopilot for life. I like things soft and smooth. I do. I'd be a marshmallow if you let me be, but God's been stripping me down and breaking me down for 33 years and even before that. You don't want a marshmallow pastor, and we don't need marshmallow husbands and marshmallow wives and marshmallow parents. We need men and women of character transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit who've got backbone and are courageous and rise to the occasion. We don't need autopilot. Forget autopilot. Here's autopilot. Boom. There's no autopilot. We've all been stripped of autopilot from the president to every world leader. There's no, there's no more autopilot. This is real deal. We're raw. You talk about millennials like organic. This is organic, huh? It doesn't get much more organic than this. This is organic. This is raw. This is the whole planet. This isn't local. This is global. Keep crying out to the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, Moab was a neighbor of Israel. And God said this about Moab. He said they'd not been poured out from vessel to vessel. See, when you purify a drink, they'd poured out from vessel to vessel to get the dregs out, Right? And he said, Moab's not been poured out. They're just, they're just a marshmallow. They're soft. They're just soft, like, oh, soft, you know, just easy. But we're, when we give our life to Christ and we're going deeper from El Shaddai to I am that I am to knowing Jesus personally as our Lord and Savior, he's going to pour us out from vessel to vessel. Now, events are going to happen. And we have to decide whether or not we want to let those events shape us and mold us for good to become more like Christ. So these events, let them be poured out from vessel to vessel. Don't be like Moab and settle in your dregs. Like, this is the, this is the wrong time to settle in your dregs. It's time to be sharp and let, cry out and let God be pouring out from vessel to vessel. Just keep pressing in, pressing in, pressing in. When you come to what you don't know, you fall back on what you do know. Be poured out from vessel to vessel. Keep crying out to the Lord. Now, the reason I'm going to start ahead of you on this is when my mom passed away suddenly, that threw me into a personal trial that stretched me incredibly. And I'm not even 100 days since burying my mom. Like, I'm still recovering from taking my mom's remains through TSA and being pulled aside and just sobbing to a stranger. It's, my life's been raw for a while. My mom dying in the room, my sister there, and all of that. I just... My, my life's been raw and open and exposed. I've just been, I've, on a personal level, I've just been stripped down and broken down and somewhat overwhelmed. And I, I, I've pressed into the Lord because that's all I can do for grief and responsibilities. And then I saw this coming. I've seen this coming. And as it got closer, man, we're like, hey, this looks really, really serious. Like, We've seen this potential for a while. And I began to cry out to the Lord, what do I do? And he wake me up at 2 in the morning, do this. Wake me up at 4 in the morning, do this, do this, do this. Hey, cry out to the Lord, because he'll guide you personally in this time of crisis for you personally. If you let Jesus be your good shepherd, he's going to lead you. He'll lead you beside still waters and green pastures. And yet, though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, here's rod and his staff will comfort you. He'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He'll anoint your head. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He will guide you if you let him. So cry out. Don't be hardened. Be softened. Don't be soft. 
rise to the occasion with fiber and character for such a time as this, like Esther, like Deborah, like great leaders, like Peter on the day of Pentecost. Forget yesterday's failures. They don't mean anything on March 19th. Your failures from yesterday are so yesterday, just like the news. My headlines from two weeks ago were unbelievable for any apocalyptic movie, and they're already old news. They don't even count. Today's headlines are just like, you can't even wrap your mind around them. Yesterday is yesterday. So forget yesterday's failures and anything from yesterday. Give that to the Lord right now in Jesus' name. Ask for forgiveness. Put it behind you. And like Paul said to the Philippians, forgetting what's behind, I press on to what lies ahead to the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to do. That's all we can do. If this totally caught you off guard, it caught you off guard. But here's where we are now. So cry out to the Lord like the Israelite children. For it is a time of duress. And in the process of time, the king has died. So it's time for the people of covenant or people who are willing to become part of the covenant through faith in Jesus Christ to cry out to the Lord right now, for he is our deliverer. As the Prince of Egypt video was back in the 90s, they had that song, Deliver Us. It was such a good song, my kids grew up on it. We also see a second thing here, God heard their groaning. He heard their groaning. And he knows our groaning. It's not like God doesn't know what's going on in your room, in your house, in your family. He hears and he knows. This, this might have caught you off guard. It did not catch him off guard. And he hears our cries. Draw near to the Lord and he'll draw near to us is what the Bible says. He hears our cries. God knows. He hears and he knows. God cares. He wants these events to work in your life in such a way that you'll draw near to him. I'll never forget it. When I first got saved in... Uh, 87 and then 88, right after my wife and I got married, she was actually pregnant with Jesse, our son that we lost. We went out with the movie Sunriders, the Christian surf movie Sunriders. I actually just found a copy of it. And I actually, believe it or not, took it to a place to make copies to be able to use it for social media. But we went out with Sunriders. And man, we had this evangelistic ministry going and we were just going for it. And there was all kinds of drama and stuff going on. It was crazy. But I remember being at North Coast Calvary Chapel in Encinitas when it was at Vulcan Square. And we showed Sunriders. And I always remember that night. I hadn't even read my whole, I barely read the Bible. I was just going for it. You're like, wow. Brian Burson's like, dude, just get out there and preach the gospel. You know, like, you'll read the whole Bible in due time. I'm like, no, I got to read the whole Bible. I'm not ready. He's like, dude, just get out there. It's like me as a surf coach. I can't surf pipe. Yes, you can. You're a good bill rider. Just paddle out. You know, it's like, you like, you can't wait till you, like, man, faith is going for it. And so I remember that night that there was a lot of surfers there that, that were, that used to know me before I gave my life to Christ. And I remember I preached the gospel, and I preached it powerfully. And I used the verse from James, draw near to the Lord, and he'll draw near to you. And I looked at that crowd at North Coast Calvary, which is the first church I went to when I was saved in 87. And I looked at those people, and I said, draw near to the Lord, and he'll draw near to you. And I promise you, and Jim Hogan, my friend and rival, was in the crowd that night. I'll never forget it, because Jim Hogan was in the crowd. He'd come to my wedding, good friend, coach, Olympic coach of Costa Rica right now wonderful, wonderful man. Love him. He's like a brother. And I remember Jimmy Hogan listening to what I said and Jimmy responding that night. He's my buddy, Jim Hogan. He's my rival. Man, he beat me a lot too, by the way. Not that it matters, but he was a handful. He was a great competitor. But he was a friend. And we're still great friends. But I told that crowd and I looked at Jim Hogan that night and I said, if you draw near the Lord, he'll draw near to you. And I say the same thing tonight to anyone who's in this message. You draw near the Lord, he'll draw near to you. He hears your crying. He hears your groaning. 
And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and wearied, and I take my yoke and I'll give you rest. The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. So if Jesus is drawing, whether you've confessed Christ before or never, if you're feeling him drawing, you want to respond now. You want to open your heart to Jesus Christ right now and ask him to come in your life. He knows your heart. Like, Lord Jesus, here I am. Please forgive me of my sins and uh, please help me turn from my sins and strengthen me in your spirit and I want to live for you. I mean, God hears our prayers. You know, there's no robotic prayer like this is the formula. It's, but it is repenting of sins and asking Christ to come in. It's asking forgiveness because he's the one that paid the price. You see, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And when we receive his sacrifice in our place, we're not under the wrath of God. Now, before you give life to Christ, you're under the wrath of God. And you will pay for your sins, and the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. So when John's gospel starts, the Holy Spirit says through John, as many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God who are not born of flesh or the will of man, but born of God, which is what it means to be born again. So not born of the flesh, like Joey Brand, 1961 in Cleveland, Ohio, but born again, like Joey Brand, spring 1987, at my dad's house when I gave my life to Christ. I could be religious and believe in God, but I, I need to respond. I need to turn from my sins and ask Christ to come in and receive him. And anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. And I was a very different person in the spring of 1987. So that's what takes place. Christ paid the price, and then he empowers us. So we made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So he declares us righteous before him, and then he gives us the power by the Holy Spirit to live the life he wants us to live. And by the way, is there ever a day you should live the life that Christ wants you to live more than March 19th, 2020? Like maybe you thought, oh, I should be doing what God's doing. No, no, I'm going to tell you right now, you should every day anyways. But if you don't think you should be doing what God has for you on this day, <laughs> then I don't know what to tell you. But if it's in your heart to do what God wants you to do on this day, then for, by all means, get right with the Lord. Either receiving Christ for the first time or recommitting your life to Christ. Because he hears your groanings. He knew this was going to happen. The whole planet's changing. But you're not getting saved or giving your life to Christ because the planet's changing and there's a virus that came out of China. You're giving your life to Christ because you're a sinner and you're perishing for the wage of sin is death and you'll be forever separated from God for all eternity in outer darkness. You're giving life to Christ because God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You're giving your life to Christ because while we're yet enemies with God, Christ reconciled us to God because he loves us. And perfect love casts out all fear. That's what you'll get when you give your life to Christ, but that's not why you're giving life to Christ. Christ is an ends, isn't a means to an end to have peace in the end of the world or whatever it is that's going on out here. Christ is the end to pass from death to life. You were created by Christ and for Christ, and in him you consist. All things are made by Christ and for Christ, and he holds everything together. And he's the author and finisher of our faith. Why has Joey Brand been like this for 33 years? Because I asked Christ into my life and he became my Lord. And he changed me. And he's been changing me. So that opportunity is there for you tonight. You can open your heart to Jesus Christ. You can simply ask him into your life and turn from your sins. It doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges tomorrow. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect tomorrow. But you're going to begin the journey of going from knowing about him to knowing him and letting him work in your life. Progressive, deeper revelation in a relationship. Because we're told we're the children of wrath before we come to Christ. But when we come to Christ, we become his adopted heirs. 
we're in the estate, we're in the trust, we're in the will. And we call him Abba Father. It's not like God wants to crush you. It's like you're already crushed. Jesus said that men don't come to light because they love darkness. God didn't send the Son to condemn the world, but the world is already condemned. That's what Jesus said. So we're crying out under various circumstances and contexts in our life, but we're crying out. And we're told that God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. God always remembers his covenant. We want all the promises of God because the promises are the covenant. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we're the new covenant, the everlasting covenant. And we want the promises of God. We want all the promises of God. For all the promises of God are yes, yes, and amen in him. Where there's no shadow of turning, the father of lights. He remembers his covenant. So church of Jesus Christ around the planet tonight, and it's particularly right here at Worship Generation Congregation, God hasn't changed. He remembers his promises to you. They've not changed. You know, the word says, I've never seen his descendants begging for bread in the city. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's, he's, he's going to take care of us. Give us this day our daily bread. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We are the people of covenant. Now, there are no other people of covenant on this planet in this sense. There's religions and there's philosophies of men and worldviews. But rest assured, this night, let there be no confusion. There is one Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, who lived a perfect sinless life and died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave on the third day for your hope and justification, is seated at the right hand of the Father where he rules the universe and is coming in glory for his second coming with the type of events we see going on right now that he said would precede his coming. Let God be true and every man a liar. And God loves you. And Jesus is Lord. There are no other lords. Billy Graham, who's in his presence of the Lord, said, Jesus is Lord of all or is not Lord at all. There are no other lords. There's kings and rulers and authoritarians and totalitarians. But there are no other lords. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming. And if he's not coming in these events, he's still coming. For all the distinctions people believe about the second coming of Jesus Christ, know this. We agree, he said time and time again, he's coming again. And he's coming to establish his kingdom. And the wisest thing we can do, not because the sky is falling, chicken little, but the wisest thing we can do is align our hearts and lives for the kingdom because that's for purpose why we're here. So even on a soft marshmallow day, that's why we're alive, to be aligned with his will and purposes of the kingdom in our life. But how much more? as we see men's hearts failing them and perplexity of nations. How much more? Even so. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come. God looked upon the children of Israel and he acknowledged them. And he does acknowledge his church. He's with us. He's for us. He's with you. And he's for you. This is a time that we all need to be willing to turn from our sins, make straight the crooked path, like John the Baptist said, do what's right, bow the knee and trust in the God of the universe who has proven his love to us time and time again. Trust in his love and go forward in it and fulfill your purpose and your destiny in Jesus' name and in his power for such a time as this.